0: Hello, everybody. Hello. Recording live from somewhere. Lord the mercy. All night, Sunday, Central. All of Hello,
1: listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Created for Marketers by Marketers podcast. My name is is Billy Luizu, and we've been working hard to find marketing topics which will help you level up your skills, and that will blow your mind. Today is episode 10, and the topic is the augmented world, and the way augmented reality plays a part in not just creating great brand experiences, but also solving larger business problems. My guest for today is David Francis, CEO and co-founder of AR VR specialist agency, Virtual Method. David is a pioneer of the AR industry, producing commercial consumer-facing AR for over 10 years now. He is regularly engaged to feature as a speaker to many different industries internationally about the disruptive or enabling impacts of AR and VR technologies, on top of creating and producing spatial content across scores of campaigns for major brands in many verticals David has also worked for and with leading hardware and software companies in the space before founding virtual method in 2016. David, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Really good. Thanks, Billy. Thanks for joining me, mate. Um, Mate, this is such a super, super interesting topic. uh, uh, I've been in technology for over 15 years myself and the first person that everyone kept talking about when it came to this content or this, Headwear or this whole industry of AR and VR was yourself. So I'm super excited to have you on. Um, Thanks, mate. It's uh, yeah, it's super interesting. But before we do that, marketers of music, what music do you listen to when you work, mate? I'm not judging you at all.
2: Uh, What uh, It's really diverse. It can. (laughs) It depends on what I'm trying to do. Like I can. uh, I, I might listen to some DJ Shadow. I might listen to some um, Vast, um, or I might listen to like Ennio Morricone. Just depends on what I'm working on.
1: Depends on the mood. <laughs> yeah, DJ Shadows is uh, definitely the mood, mate. That's he's uh, he's a weapon. <clears throat> he is. So, so, mate, before we dive into the um, the topic, give us a bit of an introduction and yourself, and what do you do, and, and why this topic is uh, is such a great fit for you.
2: Yeah, sure. So. Uh, So many, well, I've done a few things in my life um, from, you know, being a um, studying as an actor at Victorian College of the Arts Drama School back in the day, Um, much to my parents' um, dismay, um, but very much got into the creative and performing industries. Uh, I, um, you know, acted in sort of, you know, a bit of um, film and television and a lot of theatre. I then uh, started doing a lot of voiceovers, did commercial voiceovers, uh, and did a lot with um, animation. And I also found myself in the family business a bit um, to earn some coin uh, in between <laughs> gigs, the, the printing business. Oh, yes. Um, and yeah, yeah. The, the good old printing industry for a bunch of years. Um, through that, I actually uh, initially stumbled across augmented reality in 2010 from a company called Daiquiri in LA and reached out to them and they were like, Dave, you're like the first person and you're part of the world to reach out
0: and (laughs) we'll just send you you these
2: apps and you can see like a T-Rex on the table in front of you and all this thing. So, um, I, uh, but, but when I first activated it and I pointed a QR code with my iPhone 3GS Mm -hmm. and, uh, and saw a solar system spinning above a table and then went back to the computer and saw that it had pinged me on Google maps where I was. And this was a piece of print. It just, Completely blew my mind, and I kind of gave up everything I was doing, uh, <laughs> and decided that I was going to do this um, augmented reality stuff, and and that I'd be a billionaire by 2011.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so, the industry is uh, definitely billions of dollars now, but uh, I remember the examples that you talk about, like a, the T Rex and the solar system. Um, I do remember having a very very similar experience um, with my you know first AR headset, it was a uh, Google Glass, it was not Google Glass, it was Google Cardboard. Um, And that was a lot further down the line. It wasn't quite as early as you. But uh, interestingly, print was also uh, a very big part of the launch of AR in my life as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it was the first activator for, um, and still is a very strong activator for augmented reality um, because it allows a camera to point at something recognize it and then what we call localized content and bring it in and play it around that piece of print. Uh, but then the technology is developed beyond print now where we can literally just place stuff wherever and the camera can just see the ground or see the wall and bang, put it there. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, but print print was a, a big palm in mean, Daiquiri itself who ended up, ended up raising about, gosh, I don't know, maybe 280 million USD, I think in the end. Um, and, uh, they, uh, their first big check that was cut for them was from quad graphics in um, Illinois, a big printing company, cut them a a seven figure check to, um, and that really allowed them to start flying as an AR company. So kudos to print for, you know, helping kick it off.
1: So what happened when you found this was the, this was your love, uh, you know, and this was where you're going to put a lot of your energy in. How did it trans, how did things transpire to where you are now?
2: Oh yeah, so I um, at the, first of all, I just, I went out as a bit of a gun for hire for daiquiri and uh, started just trying to sell it. Like it blew everyone's minds. Easiest thing in the world to sell and hardest thing to close, I used to say. Um, everyone wants a meeting, everyone wants to see it. Uh, and then they go, oh wow, it's a bit risky, bit bit advanced, bit innovative. Um, so it was, uh, So I, but we did some of the very first campaigns um, major campaigns. We did the first uh, AR campaign for 20th Century Fox for Ice Age. Um, we did um, uh, some stuff for Optus uh, for their catalog. We did um, a target mid-year toy sale where we worked with most of the major toy manufacturers in the world and, um, and also Stockland who deserve kudos for you know investing in this stuff early. Couple of campaigns for them for retail centers. Uh, and really, the first campaigns in in retail, like in certainly in this country, and certainly the way we were doing it probably in the world. Um, so I did that for a while. Dery then got funded. Um, uh, the series fifteen mil series A, and so and the place, a lot of investors moved into roles, and uh, so I, I kind of felt like I needed to move away a bit. Uh, I approached the um the owner of the one of the biggest print companies in Australia. Um, called Blue Star, now called IVE Group. Jeff Selig, and said, "Jeff, you need to build an ARVR division." And he said, "Okay, what's ARVR,
0: and why do I need to
2: build it?" And so, um, thankfully, Jeff really took a punt on me, and um, we built this ARVR thing—the first dedicated division in any company, really, mm. in um, this part of the world—and uh, and they have most incredible array of blue chip clients. They do a huge amount of print for everyone. So I got to sit in a lot of boardrooms, meet a lot of marketers, senior marketers, and have this discussion. Um, they built a, a bit of an agency um, alongside me that got called Kaleido, and uh, they brought a lot of ex-Leo Burnett people in and Havas, and But ultimately, it was very hard for traditional agency people to start to take on this brand new creative tool set of mm-hmm. AR and, and VR. And uh, and so we, we ended up... Um, uh, in 2016, I, I said to myself, look, I, I don't want to fall off the back of this ever-increasing wave of technology. Um, so I struck out on my own, met my co-founder, Carly, not long after that, and we've built Virtual Method ever since as an entity.
1: Unreal. Yeah, look, I think you, you speak to agencies trying to adopt and pick up this technology. There's so much technology agencies need to get their head around. It is exactly. such a specialist vertical, specialist space, understanding not just the mapping capabilities that is revolving around this industry in regards to, you talk about mapping a room and using your phone. How do you create experiences that brands can really, you know, profit and create awesome uh, recognition out of? So first question I've got for you, mate, outside of, uh, you know, your your how much music plays a part in your work, but how can you oh. demystify augmented reality for me to the lowest common denominator for people who are still questioning what it is?
2: I think that's a really great question because there is um, more mysticism um, and uh, around it than there has ever been um, because a lot of entities out there, um, a lot of large tech companies and consultancies have tried to rename the technology is things like extended reality and mixed reality and all this <laughs> sort of stuff. Ultimately, I'm a big believer that you really just have augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, augmented reality is where you can see the world. Um, you, whether it's you're holding up your phone and you're pointing at the ground and you're, um, or whether it's pointing at a piece of print or whether you're wearing something like Microsoft's HoloLens 2 um or uh, magic League one which is augmented reality glasses um, if you can still see the world um, and then it brings in content that is spatial that is anchored to that world whether it's anchored to a again to a piece of print or it's anchored to the floor um, if it has a physical quasi-physical relationship to the world that is augmented reality also known you know increasingly commonly common in uh, the term is uh, mixed reality. Mixed reality, that's um,
0: right.
2: Yeah, but I do. I personally prefer augmented reality because if we give everything, every new small leap in technology a new name, we're going to run out of names pretty quick. <laughs> and I, I, I like the um, the one of the definitions of augmented is to make better. So the idea of making reality better
0: mm-hmm.
2: is uh, I really, really like. Now, if you put on a headset and it doesn't have cameras out the front, um, or it isn't clear lenses. And all you can see is a virtual world. Then that is virtual reality, where you are deprived of being completely situationally aware and able to see your real world. And you go very much like Ready Player One. You go into a completely virtual world. That's the two types of main types of technologies that we work with, Um, and they both have their sort of advantages and areas that are that are useful. Um, But most of this stuff is full 3D. So if you you need to think about instead of working, I mean, Adobe have some 3d aspects now to their platform. Uh, they have project Aero, which is for augmented reality, for example, but it, it's very much now uh, like the creative toolkit is you need to understand how to work with modeling 3d and rigging 3d, which is mm-hmm. you know, getting it ready to move and then animating 3d. Mm-hmm.
0: And then,
2: and then from a creative perspective for like a, um, an ECD in an agency, for example, it's about breaking away, breaking free of the Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick-esque style of having to like frame a shot and pan and move, zoom in and all that sort of stuff and thinking about content more in terms of, of theatre in the round,
0: mm. of
2: stuff you place in the world and you can't control as much. You can't control where it's going to appear in the background and everything. It's frightening for brands too, but... Um, ultimately that is what augmented reality uh, especially represents is you put your content out there and people advance the meaning of it. It, it, And if it appears in their lounge room, I mean, that's a,
1: that's
0: a
2: huge amount of personalization, you know?
1: Oh mate, it's, yeah, there's so many things we could run down and talk about with what you've just mentioned. Ready player one was one of the, one of those books I could not put down. Uh, I just Mm. remember picking it up and being like, is this ever going to happen? Is this ever going to be possible? Um, and having worn VR headsets, I get nauseous with them, but it's just the frame rate, I think, that gets me my head spinning. I'm much more reliant on AR, and I definitely find myself drawn to the capabilities of AR and this spatial awareness that you talk about that ECDs need to design for. I studied mm. multimedia, and I, one of my courses was 3D and rigging, and it is truly an art form. And you have to have patience. You know, it's uh, com- it's it's definitely a skill set that um, I envy. I didn't have the patience to do it. But you know, it's you, you've you've talked about Ready Play One. You talk about Adobe. What are some of the hardware devices that are available for consumers now to to adopt to start engaging with these things? I mean, AR. All you really need is a smartphone, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, In terms of um, engaging with complex augmented reality, you literally just need an Android or um, iOS device. And I mean, uh, both Google and especially Apple and especially Microsoft and Qualcomm and Mm. um, Samsung and all these massive players are investing massively in this space, Um, you know, and and so they are just going to provide more and more and more capabilities into our incumbent mobile devices in our life. And at some point, we will graduate from these handheld devices into eyewear. Sounds completely crazy. But then again, I remember when my old man gave me his massive brick of a mobile phone in 1991 so that he didn't have to hang out at the athletics um, all day and wait for me to finish. And it rang in my bag, and I was so embarrassed and everyone was like oh my god he's got a mobile phone what a yuppie so so this
1: didn't fit in your pocket
2: no 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 it was was absolutely mad it was literally a brick but but and i was i was mortified but fast forward like you know a decade and suddenly it's like and if you don't have a mobile it's like what's wrong with you Mm -hmm. you know right now you don't have a smartphone so um when people say, Oh gosh, I can't imagine wearing like this device on my, on my face that, that's going to overlay things when I need it and give me information when I need it. Mm. You know, I just can't imagine that. Well, we couldn't really imagine what a mobile would be for, to our lives in 1991, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but we adapt, we adapt incredibly quickly. And, uh, and, and the big thing I say to people too, I mean, some of this augmented reality I wear right now is, um, uh, it can be a little bit bigger on your face, for example. And people go, oh, I wouldn't wear that. Just it, Until they look like Ray-Bans, I'm not going to wear them. <laughs>
0: yeah. and,
2: and you go, well, interestingly, you had this BYOD, BYOD thing with, with mobile phones where people started using them at home and then they brought them into work and IT teams freaked out and eventually they learned to, learn to deal with it, and manage it. You know, um, It's going to be probably more so the opposite around eyewear where we're seeing companies and enterprise and especially in the industrial world, adopting eyewear massively inside the workplace. Mm-hmm. And it's likely that people are gonna be at work. They're gonna be wearing augmented reality eyewear. Someone beside them is gonna go, no, I don't wanna wear that. Um, my union says, I don't need to. And you go, well, no, that's cool, cool for you. And they come to their their you know, um, half yearly assessment, sit in front of their boss and their boss goes, the guy who was beside you um, was 75% more productive than you, and and mm-hmm. I mean it's probably because he was wearing the eyewear, but at the end of the day we've got to fire someone, so you're fired.
0: Mm-hmm. You know you're the least yep.
2: productive. And then when people find out they can be 75% more productive in the workplace, then they suddenly go, I wouldn't mind being 75% more productive at life. You know, and mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be the opposite of how mobile devices, handheld mobile, came into our technological lives um, we're going to see probably it coming from the enterprise and back into consumer unless Apple turns around and finally releases all their eyewear they'll do a massive consumer push through all their the music industry etc and entertainment and who knows maybe consumers will suddenly um, have ubiquitous adoption before enterprise has saturation
1: well Apple's one of those brands who has the power to definitely make a movement like that possible um, and the money and yeah, yeah. and they, they'll make it look, you know, super slick and people won't mind wearing it just like they have with their watches. So you've, you just spoke, spoke about in, industrial kind of acceptance of wearing this device and these devices. Can you give me yeah. some of your, what you see some of the best examples you've either worked on or seen in the AR space? It doesn't have to be commercial like, or, or retail, but I'd love to, you know, you spoke about the workforce. I'd love to hear some of your examples.
2: Yeah, sure. So I'll give it to you. Like, I'll give it, I'll give you a, a B2C um, sort of marketing um, example, and then I'll give you um, a uh, an industrial example. So um, in, a, in a marketing sense, um, uh, I'll talk about that. So Danone Yogurt in mm-hmm. Russia. Danone Yogurt, first of all, um, there's, a, there's a platform we work with called Zappar and which I represented actually for quite some time before we decided to be their sort of you know, creative shop as well in this region. Um, they uh, they did a augmented reality stem based um, piece that came off uh, the top of sort of yogurt little tub yogurt packaging in, in Russia. Uh, first of all, they did it through um, Shazam because Zappar powered Shazam's augmented reality all up all the way up until when Shazam was acquired by Apple and they said we don't care about brands, um, so dump all the brand engagement. Um, uh, and then they moved across to WebAR. So we can now activate augmented reality without an app. So just using a QR code on top of, you know, and your normal camera, switch it on. Your camera now reads QR codes, mm-hmm. the native camera in Android and iOS. You can then uh, go through to a WebAR page and it will activate a really cool STEM based experience, mostly aimed at kids. In a year, they had over 20 million activations of those yogurt lids, it became the number one media channel for Danone in that part of the world. Jeez. And from that, it is now they now actually want to move to an app. So they're like, this has become such a big media channel. We actually now don't want to just do it through the web. We actually now want to have our own app because we know we've got the audience to do that. Um so that's a really interesting sort of B2C example.
1: So that was on the lid, the lid of a yogurt.
2: On the lid of yogurt.
1: Yeah, you so CGs you know should be listening and saying, "How does that reflect for us? How can we do it?" Well, that?
2: well, I mean, if you look at Nestle, for example, Nestle now has a dedicated division for ARVR based out of Barcelona, led by a guy called Richard Hess, who's mm-hmm. actually made Zappar the incumbent global platform of Nestle. Wow. Um, but the the cool thing about packaging, of course, is um, you have a hundred percent open rate. With packaging.
0: (laughs) Sorry, mate. That is
1: that's the call. That's the call of the day, mate. That's your spot on. Everyone wants to get to the chocolate, mate.
2: (laughs) Yeah, if people buy a product, they're hundred percent going (laughs) to open. So
0: it's it's a great
2: channel. Yeah, it's it's a great channel to attach other media to.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, uh, such as such as augmented reality. Um, now, on the, and, and I tell you, the FMCG companies, uh, what, why they're also really interested is because it allows them to circumvent the data coming out of retailers. Mm-hmm. And that data is, of course, going to be a little bit designed to try and sell more end caps and, you know, skew heights on shelves and all that sort of thing. Um, and, and it's allowing them to have a first party data relationship with the end consumer just through the packaging and their mobile phone. Yep. Um, so that's also what's really powerful and why all the FMCGs are very, very interested in it. And crossover then to, you know, some of the work that we do um, with, uh, you know, the industrial area. And I mean, you've got in, right now, especially because of COVID-19, um, you have this incredible lockdown happening all over the world. Um, even in Australia now, New South Wales, we're pretty much locked out again from Western Australia at, at this point. Um, as of today so I'm now getting calls from all these companies going we need to be able to get into the eyes and ears of our workers who are over in the Pilbara um, or our workers who are you know trying to commission this piece of equipment in this place or even just you know do some IT like uh, you know help us get our ERP systems up and running in a warehouse down in Melbourne which is on complete COVID lockdown and, and mask compulsory and all that sort of stuff so um, can we send our wearables our, these wearable devices over there so that we can even through microsoft teams or webex we can dial into someone's eyes and then basically see exactly what they're seeing um, and you know be able to mark things up in the air in front of them and um, allow them to you know very very quickly receive the knowledge that we have um, or even as far away as the united states the people who manufactured the equipment originally can, the engineers can help someone get up and running much, much faster because in the industrial world, time is money. Whether it's mm-hmm. a, a bucket wheel that's going to cost you $25,000 a minute while it is down on a mine site, or it's a, a, a dairy, it's a fat pump that goes down. That's 200 bucks a minute until you mm-hmm. get it fixed. Um, the industrial world, the data, the bottom line, is really solid, and they're measuring it. And they know that if they can just shave X amount of minutes off a response time, it's going to save them X amount of dollars. And extrapolate that out, so they can see the value of augmented reality and and you know even virtual reality for training, remote training, um, and, and they can make their business cases much faster than marketers tend to be able to in a world that is crowded with a bunch of marketing channels and a lot of people just spouting certain metrics that may or may not be legit.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. You know uh, you're looking at how you can create efficiency in a business using AR. And one of the examples, that example you talked through being able to look, you know, you gave me this example last time we spoke Dave, where you said, you know, I'm on a rig site and I'm trying to fix one of these pumps and I, get a call, I can call head office and head office can now see through the glasses and guide me in fixing that problem. These are things that are happening now, right? This is not, you know, oh, yeah. mission impossible, right? This is reality.
2: No. There's a mining company in Australia that just bought a hundred wearable devices in the last fortnight.
0: Wow. There you go.
2: 7,000, 7, of this particular one, uh, over 7,000 of this particular one we work with Railware HMT ones over seven thousand sold in the last quarter alone. Um, So we're talking really big rates of adoption. Mm
0: -hmm. And I mean, I
2: think I mentioned this to you before, but the crazy thing is, you've got industrial engineers and maintenance mechanics, maintenance technicians, who have deeper knowledge of augmented reality and virtual reality than almost any marketer that I've ever met.
1: And all the marketers are the ones talking about it.
2: (laughs) They love the possibility of it, but they're not doing enough of it. Like they're not applying enough of it to understand it. It's like, if you don't, if you don't make films, I mean, you can learn a lot from watching movies, but if you don't make a TVC or you don't make a short film or whatever, you you can't really truly understand um, the tools that are available to you as a creative, uh, as someone who is trying to craft a message to an end consumer. Mm-hmm. You, you only learn by doing it
1: mm-hmm. you know how long did it take you to pick it up you know learning how to to do this in this space oh it's look it's it's um
2: it's taken me many years mm-hmm. like uh, you know uh to, to be honest i mean i wasn't someone who'd studied computer engineering mm-hmm. um i always had a, a real a strong interest in technology um but in the, certainly in the early days of ar you either understood the technology on almost an engineering level or you sank, you know, if you didn't understand all the things that you had to de-risk in any given project, and it still exists today to a great extent, I get calls all the time from, you know, people going, marketers going, I've just, I've invested in this and it's all going a bit haywire. <laughs> um, how can we fix it? Cause, cause our expectations weren't properly set around the parameters of, of the, of the tech, you know? Um, so, it's important to understand the creative technology Uh, and it has taken me quite a few years to sort of get my head around that. And then Mm. of course, it's also understanding all the, you know, your basic marketing and business principles and consumer engagement and how stuff is going to fit into a proper, you know, omni channel campaign. Campaign. That's it. Yeah. But, but once you do understand the technical limitations uh, of this medium, then the possibilities are limitless. It's mm. like like everything, it's freedom within form. Like yep. shooting a TVC. It is or like a piece for YouTube or whatever. If you understand what your camera can do and the microphones and all that sort of and that sort of stuff or your, your drone or whatever, then once you understand those technical parameters, then you can create an incredible expansive story. Mm-hmm. Same in this space, but the knowledge to date uh, even amongst the the core creative community, it's limited. It's fairly limited, and, yeah. and and they might go and do a lunch and learn with Snapchat or whatever, but it's very piecemeal what they're being exposed to. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's super cool. Um, so we talk about <clears throat> the utility of solving a problem versus brand gamification. Do you? Where do you see? Do you see this being a? It's irrelevant, really. The AI is still just there to help solve a problem, whether it's driving brand engagement or it's, you know, being on a rig site and making a process more effective.
2: Uh, Look, I think, I think it solves a very big problem in the, Mm. um, in the brand world. It being quite simply the sing, one of the single biggest problems, of course, for marketers, for brands is mindshare Mm. is, is absolutely mindshare. You sell your product. your product gets bought as a chattel or whatever. Um, or it could be a service. But often it gets sold in a place, like it might be a, a physical retail store, bricks and mortar or whatever. It could be online, but ultimately you're pushing a, a brand story to people and hoping that through that brand story you achieve mind share all the way through to when they then are going, Oh, I want to buy something in this product category. Oh, wait up, that brand that I had this cool experience with, yeah, I'll buy that one. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can trust it, it gave me a great experience,
0: yeah,
2: etc. So um, in in those terms, there's a there's a report that um, I actually contributed to from um, uh, Mindshare, actually the the um, media agency <laughs> Mindshare, uh, and there's a division called Mindshare Futures out of the UK. A report that was put out about a year and a half ago called Layered, um, L-A-Y-E-R-E-D, mm-hmm. and uh, and they had, did a very very deep dive into augmented reality, especially mobile AR as a media channel. Um, they even right. did a bunch of um, uh, neurological testing with um, uh, EEGs and all that sort of stuff. And what they found is that AR, in terms of, you know, um, brands, in terms of mindshare, in terms of re- um, retaining the, the information that was, you know, passed across in these experiences, it was 80% more effective than the next um, most effective media channel.
1: Wow. Um, it's not too it's, easy to to a, a, a article I read regardless regarding to sports and virtual reality because what you're talking mm-hmm. about when you talk about the concept of mind share you're basically saying a being imprinted in your mind and being able to you know relive that experience that you've just visualized where a, a trainer was using VR for football quarterbacks to be able to like watch, watch the plays so, so you're in this experience you're watching the play unfold before your eyes and you're deciding where you're going to throw the ball and it's simulated. But the reality is your brain's already starting to think about if I get blocked on the left and I have someone trying to tackle me from, from the right, how am I going to throw this ball? And if you've been through that experience, it's almost like you can act in the moment when it happens in real life. And they saw huge improvements in university quarterbacks in undertaking virtual reality based training. So the concept of mindshare is—it's uh, a really simple way to put it, mate. But it's—it's it's super clear as to what, hey, the way you're trying to articulate it. I've never used that concept, okay. but it makes. Well, it- well
2: there's, there's also there's a very clear equation to it, right? Um, and while I'm oversimplifying it, I'm sure there's lots of neurologists and psychologists, etc., who would back me up on this. But uh, the simple equation is that the more senses, the more. Um, uh, uh, of our, you know, sensory array that is engaged in the um, a moment when we're receiving information, the stronger the neural synapse will be, the memory that is created of that moment, right? Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about there is is um, kinesthetic memory, some people might call it, or muscle memory, or body mm-hmm. memory, or whatever, um, sense memory, if you want to talk in um, Stanislavski acting terms. Um, it is it is about um, anchoring a memory inside your body Uh, one of our strongest senses um, is our olfactory sense that's why you smell something out on the street and suddenly you are put back to your childhood and a memory you know you have from your childhood um but the thing about augmented reality and also virtual reality is that you are physically engaged you're not just passively watching something on a screen you are physically interacting and not interacting like i moved a cursor or i swipe something or tap something it just does my head in that that's called interactivity but um (laughs) but it is actually physically moving yeah 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 it's a gesture i want to look at it from this side and this side and then get closer and further and so the more that you physically engage someone the the greater the likelihood that they are then going to anchor the story you're telling them in that moment and that is one of the main reasons why ar is such a powerful medium Mm. um of course, like like anything, people go, oh, but um, should AR, like, would, will AR pull the crowds? Will, will AR bring people in? Will people just activate because it's AR? No. Uh, some might, absolutely. Mm. But you need to do your traditional marketing, a traditional DM to, to bring people into the story. AR is about adding value mm. to your product or service. It's about taking your your product off the mm. skew and the shelf and uh, telling someone that there's something attached to it. They take it home. And now that can of Milo is worth a lot more than, to them than just like um, some paper wrapped around a tin,
0: yep. you
2: know, so suddenly they endow it with emotional properties, you know, and, and when they go back to the supermarket, they, when they see that that product on the shelf, that product's got way more value than those chocolatey granules inside
1: tin. The, the concept of adding value is really being adopted by the wine industry. Have you seen, and you've seen obviously living wine labels, Treasury wines, and some of the other propositions that are coming out. What are your thoughts on those?
2: Yeah, I am. Um, so the curved marker augmented reality, uh, as we would call it, which allows you to activate a curved wine label. Um, that's it quite uniquely um, belongs to Vuforia, um, which was originally owned by Qualcomm, bought by a company called PTC. That's the tech they used to activate the wine label. They they promoted it again to my previous point. They promoted it really well. They went on Fox over in the US. They really put it out there. They weren't afraid to show people the original um, nine crimes um, uh, labels. And because of that, they had such enormous engagement. I think it added 12% to the market cap of treasury wines generally um, that year. Um, just, you know, from from these um, interactive wine labels. Um, and, and now... The thing is, I guess, um, now they're creating wine labels and wine varietals that they will be able to tell deeper stories with. Like, you know, they've created, I think, like a zombie type or whatever. They're aiming for those, you know, Gen Zs who are just coming of drinking age and they're trying to win their hearts and minds over to wine before they go on to spirits, um, et cetera. So um, I, I think that there is a lot of utility in that. I think you got to make sure you have a good story to tell. I mean... The thing is, people say to me, does AR work? And I go, does TV? You know, TV works if you put something good on there. But if you don't put a good ad on there, it works against you, Mm -hmm. you know? And and it's funny that often I talk about experiences I've had with a lot of marketers where they go, oh yeah, I've seen AR, or my agency showed me AR. And it reminds me of that scene in Crocodile Dundee 1 when he goes to um, the hotel room in New York and he goes, ah, television. I saw that at my mate's place years ago. And he turns it on and it's got I Love Lucy playing. And he goes, yep, that's what I saw. And he turns it off.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: And I so often feel that it's, it, you know, that's this, the experience I've put. Yeah, I've seen AR. Well, yeah. no, it's about, it's about you also have to tell. You know, have to understand the creative technology, tell a great story. Um, Nine Crimes was done really well like the story, the convicts coming to life and everything, it wasn't just because it was AR. It was because it was promoted properly. Um, the, the AR was robust off the labels and the story was told. Um, uh, the story came through really beautifully. Yep, they did. Um, they did a fantastic it, job. <laughs> like any piece of advertising or creative, it's about the medium and, and the story and the brand and the, the consumer touch points all being beautifully crafted in order to achieve maximum value you know it's the same in our world
1: that's it that's it beautifully put mate so everyone's going to be asking this question and i want to hear your perspective on it um what will the world look like in the next 20 years if ar does reach the mainstream and you may tell me billy it's already met the mainstream mate come on get with it but what where do you see and how do you see this integrating into our lives more frequently
2: um in terms of the mainstream, what I will say is that if you look at the statistics on AR engagement, they're absolutely enormous. Um, I, I think there's so many brands who don't realise uh, because because AR is such a personal thing, it's a pull metric, and people opt in and they activate. Unless you're really doing a lot of AR, you don't really you're not really going to understand or see like certainly how effective it is and how it's you know how it's the impact it's making on consumers. Um, but it will just become more and more mainstream not more and more mainstream, more and more um, a part of our lives in the years ahead. I mean, Apple have had billions of dollars a year being sunk into AR for, into, you know, their AR eyewear for years now. I know people have worked on the project. I know it's going into manufacturing, Mm -hmm. towards the manufacturing process right now. Um, It is, some say it was the final uh, legacy of Steve Jobs that he kind of really kicked it off, that he wanted to, have this whole new like outer net, this whole new um, uh, overlay on, on the world. You know, make you know make all this um, uh, Apple powered content so immersive. Um, there is so much money being thrown at this technology in a few years' time, and I, I mean, probably two years' time, you're going to start to see um, in, on a consumer level um, AR eyewear being used quite extensively. I, I mean, I use my Bose frames every day. Um, I've got them sitting beside me right now. They're only mm. audio, augmented audio. Yep. Um, but uh, I absolutely love them and I wish they had a camera in them and that I could do remote calls through them. We are very, very close, right on the precipice of um, of eyewear becoming our major computer interface. Mm. And uh, like no one could really imagine it. It will become, it will change absolutely everything. Certainly about the, Advertising and marketing world.
0: I mean, mm.
2: I say to I say to so many marketers now: start building your content, start understanding this space. Mm. Like if you go, oh, if you don't believe in mobile now, just know that you need to start your roadmap towards when this eyewear comes out, because um, you know it is it is going to be uh, human augmentation. It is going to make us far more capable, more powerful as human beings. Information available to us when we need it contextually on our world will change social, uh, like our so you already see it through Pokemon. Um, you know, Pokemon Go. That?
0: That yeah, I mean, you know, thing.
2: that <clears throat> the guys who created that Niantic projects they haven't have another six major gaming platforms in development right now. Um, you know, so look, all of this is coming sooner than you, you've ever really imagined it to be, and it will be enormously disruptive and gamification too if you want to know how powerful gamification is just go and look at gucci's stuff right now go and look what gucci is doing my god as a brand they have gone and they are all about mini games and mini engagements and you you would not believe what gucci a, a luxury apparel brand has gone and done you know in terms of getting into you know
1: towards this space it's it's is this the mini mini bags and what are they what are they doing please tell me i'm i'm familiar with gucci absolutely but i'm not familiar as to what they're doing in this gamification space
2: so um uh, carly my my co-founder is um Mm -hmm. has been showing me over the last couple of weeks um she showed me they've what they do is whenever so i think it's in their app Mm -hmm. um but I, i can send I'll um I'll find out and I'll send you the um, yeah please
0: do. Link, link to put me. on the page
2: but but she showed me that when they bring out a new line they bring out a game and they bring out skins and you know I mean look look at what's happening right now as well on top of that with the entertainment industry right think about this in terms of gaming um, twenty eight million people went inside Fortnite and watched Travis Scott the rapper perform mm-hmm. inside there as an avatar you know and. The whole entertainment industry, not being able to travel, is all moving across to what is called in Fortnite Party Royale, like a gaming Mm. island, and also other platforms. There's some stuff we're working with in the space, that space as well, with um, with a big music label, um, which is really exciting. But um, they're all looking now to the virtual world as well because they, because of not being able to travel. Um, So AR and VR has become. a, a more of an immediate need now for so many different types of people who are trying to reach out to an audience, uh, because they simply can't. We, I mean, according to, um, uh, Alan Joyce, we won't be flying Qantas overseas till July, 2021. Correct. So, you know, brands need to embrace ways that is COVID safe to give people experiences that feel site specific, you know, and that's what AR. Certainly can do, and VR even as a platform. I mean, the amount of money that that Facebook has made off selling um, Oculus Quest headsets. They're like, uh, I think you on Amazon they're about six hundred and thirty bucks. Yeah. And my God, you can jump inside there. There's a, a platform, for example, it's Spatial, that is free at the moment, and you can jump in with somebody else in a headset and have a meeting with them, and and do design thinking and put up like Post-it notes and you know,
1: like yeah put that's together
2: a, a campaign presentation
1: that's a problem that companies are trying to are trying to solve right now, Zoom fatigue you know uh you've just sent me down a rabbit hole, Dave, and this is not the first time that we've had a discussion, and you've done that but i've just I've just done some quick googling mate, and I'm blown away to hear about Gucci and gamification. I'm going to read yeah. you a bit from one of the articles
0: yep
1: yeah. uh, there is a head of strategic gamification at Gucci yep. and him and his manager started to look at ways that Gucci could move customers from story to a storyline. Both of them had a background in playing the fantasy tabletop role playing game Dungeons and Dragons. And it is from there that they took their inspiration on how this approaches to business strategy. They saw a synergy between... Gucci and Dungeon Masters, mate. I am going to spend the next twenty-four hours trying to understand this strategy. But thank you for pointing me in this direction. I would never have expected a brand like Gucci to go down this path, but now I need to understand why uh, Dungeon Dragons and Gucci. Where's the synergy? <laughs>
0: but and they're
1: amazing.
2: smashing it.
1: They're they are. Yes, they are.
2: Absolutely smashing it against their competitors. You know, and it's just that bravery mm. of these two executives that you were just talking about. It is their bravery and it is also them understanding their consumer better and understanding just how technologically advanced, how addicted to gamification, how um, uh, how what a massive appetite, especially a younger consumer demographic has for to be communicated with differently to the Gen Xs, to their parents, to, to have their own uh, platforms, to, to, to allow them the freedom to create content like they do on TikTok, uh, allow them the freedom to experience your brand outside of shaping it so carefully to you know, the, the screen that you run for 30 seconds in an ad break on TV. They, they want to to be told stories differently. And that's what's so exciting about AR and VR is it allows you to create as a brand a whole new voice, a new massive like addendum to your style guide. Um, and, and, and brand guide, um, you can uh, have the freedom to um, take your brand to places that you could never imagine and make huge impacts. Um, which is, yeah, for me, super exciting.
1: Yeah, it well, was super exciting space that you found yourself in, mate. And um, we're coming to the end of the podcast. I got two final questions for you. But mm-hmm. one, what is what is the one skill set you think marketers need to take away from this, based on everything you've said?
2: Uh, The one skill set that I think marketers need to take away is um, whether it's a skill set, I think it's more so seek out. So I'll I'll direct you somewhere. Go to vimeo.com forward slash zappar Z-A-P-P-A-R. There is 600 videos on there, most of which are case studies and activations that have been done by brands. Just watch, see what people have done. Like, go and see, see how they're doing it. Like, you need to understand what's being done out there in order to have, you know, to, to receive that inspiration and to understand what is possible for your own brand. Just, you know, understand the parameters of, of what you can do in this space. And also, um, as a skill set, jump inside, go and borrow or, or buy yourself um, a, a Quest headset, mm. a, um, an Oculus Quest, and start jumping inside experiences and just see what an incredibly different um, a medium it is, you know, in, in terms of um, uh, the way that you, you know, create your, you know, shape your brand. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: That's what I would recommend. You, you need to experience this stuff, you need to watch it, experience it. You cannot second guess, you know, what you can, what it, what it can be, what can be done as much as you can't second guess your end consumer and what amazing. they may have an appetite for
1: amazing. Yeah. All in one VR headset for Oculus quest. It's uh, it's, uh, it's not too expensive. I think it's around $650 and, um, you can start experiencing one and see if your business can expense it. That's my recommendation. Um, totally. last point, buzzword bingo, mate, what is a buzzword that you are either, uh, you know, acknowledging or sick of hearing in 2020? Oh, you
2: know what? It's the same one that, I, I've been hearing for a few years now, it's when people go, oh, BAU. <laughs> or, you know, oh, look, our um, team is just trying to get the fundamentals right. Yep. We're trying to, we're working on EDMs right now. We're just trying to get our EDMs working with Oracle <laughs> or whatever, you know. And I just go,
1: oh, wow. That just totally you know? is opposite to what you're trying to do, mate. You're like, really, guys, come on. Let's just, this just look brutal? in this
2: direction. Yeah, business as usual. It's like, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. <laughs> you know, that's what that's BAU. That's you're business right. Business as usual. You
1: know. up something there, mate. Anyway, I think it's uh, it's definitely now in COVID. You're seeing businesses try and just use the BAU as an excuse for no budget, um, and just focusing on areas where that they know they can optimize cost. Um, But there are still some out there who are going, you know what? It's a time right now, which is better than none other to try and figure out how to innovate in a space when you have consumers at home interacting with these devices more and more, or more likely to engage and adopt these devices. So here's an
2: analogy, a quick analogy. Like we are right now with COVID and everything and people's jobs are at risk. Whole, you know, whole industries and sectors are, you know, suffering and they don't know what's next. The whole world is uncertain. Everyone is standing at the precipice. And some people are looking into the abyss and they are petrified. They are frozen to on the spot and others are looking up at the sky and leaping off and taking flight, you know, and there's no nothing in between that right now. You are either frozen trying to de-risk everything, trying to do BAU and, you know, try and ride stuff out for as long Mm -hmm. as that might take or like the Gucci guys, you're taking a big punt, you're taking a risk and you're leaping into the air. And, uh, only those people to my mind are actually really going to move forward and, you know, take their brands into places they could never have dreamed and use this whole negative global scenario and, and try and clip it into a, into a positive.
0: Yep. Yeah. Look,
1: leap and fly. I mean, that's what Peter Pan would have done. Um, I'm a, I'm a, yep. I'm a big kid at hard mate. And I, I definitely think the analogy of, uh, of taking a risk and taking faith in a situation that it's pretty much out of our control, so to speak, but you can start to control how your brand's being perceived by starting to uncover some of these new mediums, man. Thank you so much for today's session. You, um, you always find a way to, uh, to open up uh, a total new, totally new realm, even though I feel like I'm on the cutting edge. Sometimes you, you definitely challenge me that way, but you uh, honestly, you've got some really, really great experience in this space and I hope, um, virtual method and everything you're doing um, reaches its heights and its expectations that you have for it, mate. Cause it's really exciting. Um, I'm going to post links at the bottom of this podcast to Vimeo for Zappa, a bit of the gamification stuff around Dungeons and Dragons, the Oculus link, some of your music and anything else you want to share, please filter through me and I'll add it to the link, but really appreciate your time, Dave.
2: Thanks so much, Billy. And um, congrats on the podcast, mate. It's really great. So, um, Keep, keep going and look forward to hearing more
1: episodes. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it, buddy. Take care.